0: So the, the sentence uh, from Fukan Zazengi where he says, if you make one misstep, you stumble past what is directly in front of you. Uh, this is where I'd like to, to begin this morning uh, and take a pretty deep look at this.
1: If you make one misstep, which for me to make one
0: misstep uh, kind of points towards
1: a path that there is a way that we're going. Uh, So to make one misstep
0: is to go off the path. If there's no path, then it would seem there's no misstep if we're just out walking in and in a meadow. How are you going to make a misstep unless there's a hole there you don't see? <laughs> that that could be a misstep, but uh,
1: but otherwise you're just kind of wandering. Harkens back to that
0: uh, previous sentence about uh, why leave behind the seat in your own home to wander in vain through the dusty realms. To wander in vain,
1: I think for Dogan is to go through life without practice. So the sense of, of uh, making a
0: misstep I think is very uh, much connected to, to Dogen's continuous practice. We make missteps when we depart from practice. And in the sense of a path, the way, the Tao uh, to use the, uh, the Chinese term for it, We've kind of looked at the first two turnings of the wheel, of the Dharma wheel, the four noble truths being the first one, and that path is the fourth noble truth, the noble Eightfold path. So that's one way of seeing this way, the path, where missteps are are then seen as as being uh, a deviation from the Eightfold Path. Of course, we've we've just launched into uh, an in-depth study of the second turning of the Dharma wheel with our uh, uh, study of the Heart Sutra and the teachings on emptiness, on Shunyata. Avalokiteshvara, when practicing deeply the prajnaparamita, the perfection of wisdom, saw that all five skandhas are empty, are shunyata. And of course, by the time we get to the end of the Heart Sutra, uh, he's seen that everything is shunyata. There's nothing that escapes it. Implied in that is even the Heart Sutra is empty. Emptiness is empty.
1: That's another practice. That's a path of seeing the emptiness of all
0: things. This is a little simpler than the Eightfold Path. Simpler and and, uh, not simpler. Depends on how you look at it. It's a pretty profound practice. But they both relate back to Dogen's notion of making one misstep, stumbling past what is directly in front of you. And this is the heart
1: of our practice is what's directly in front of you right here. It's not something we're going off to seek, to find. If we can't find it
0: right here, then we're not gonna find it any other place. Hence why leave behind the seat in your own home. Your own home is wherever you are right now.
1: This is your home. This is where you're abiding. Even if it's extremely short term, this is your home at this moment, at this place. And if you make one misstep, you stumble past what is directly in front of you. And if you stumble past that, you miss it. You've missed it. no need to go off looking for
0: it any other place. And this was true for Dogen, even
1: when he arrived in China. Come back to that. Even though he had traveled
0: that great distance in order to practice and find his true teacher, if he, was not practicing right where he was at each moment, at
1: each place, and he was missing it. And he never would find his true teacher.
0: In the midst of that, he continued to move from temple to temple. But at each temple, it was
1: practicing deeply right there with what what was in front of it. And ultimately determining if he needed to move on
0: or stay where he was, but he couldn't even come
1: to that decision if he wasn't practicing right there. Otherwise, it would have been
0: kind of like being on a tour just to take in all these different temples. And instead of being fully wherever he was, like like our our general tendency, he might be looking ahead to where am I going to go next? And not really fully
1: engaging with that practice at that time in this place. if you make one misstep you stumble stumble past what is directly in front of you stumble because you're not focusing you're not paying attention that's what causes us to stumble so when we're practicing
0: we come to understand that and how our our natural tendency seems to be to stumble through life,
1: not be fully focused on what's right in front of us right now. To have a practice that conditions us
0: to live our lives exactly that way being fully present and
1: caring for each and everything that arises. So the next sentence, the continuation of this goes on then to talk about how we have gained the pivotal opportunity of human form. I think we have this sense that this is our, our life is precious,
0: the sense of the pivotal opportunity that it provides us with.
1: And in the context of Fukan Zazengi, a pivotal opportunity
0: seems to be pointing back to the earlier section, talking about triggering awakening. With a finger, a band, or a needle, or a mallet, and so forth. These pivotal opportunities where awakening can arise with all these bizarre triggering
1: events that can cause the pivot from this limited event that's arising in front of us to
0: see it's shunyata, it's boundlessness, it's unlimited nature. Unlimited, both in space and in time, there's nothing excluded from it. It's all encompassing.
1: That's a pivotal opportunity, always. And in this form that we have, what we call human form, this is an opportunity that we have. So we have gained a pivotal opportunity. That being the
0: case, the next section sounds like the evening Gotha. Let me respectfully remind you, life and death are of supreme importance. Time swiftly passes and opportunity is lost. Pivotal opportunities are lost. Each of us should strive to awaken. Awaken, take heed, do not squander
1: your life because you have gained the pivotal opportunity of human form. So as Dogen, Terms it in the next sentence. He says, do not pass your days and nights in vain. Do not squander your life. Because you have gained the pivotal opportunity. Always, at each moment, you have this pivotal opportunity. Next sentence draws this out more.
0: You are taking care of the essential activity
1: of the Buddha way. This is practice, it's taking care. The essential activity of the Buddha way
0: points to another one of Dogen's Shobogenzo fascicles the awesome presence of active Buddhas.
1: Buddha is an activity, it's not a thing, it's action. So we take care of this essential activity of the Buddha way. When we do, we are Buddha, we are the Buddha way. We are that activity. We question our ability to be Buddha because because of
0: our notion of, of entities that are separate from
1: one another. Well, he was Buddha. I can't be him. It's the activity. We can all be that, it's universal. And it entails taking care of that activity, practicing.
0: For Dogen, of course, the foundation of that is Zazen. So we just did an hour of that, of taking care of the essential activity of the Buddha way, of being present right here, right now, and taking care of. So if we start to drift off, start to daydream, we see that and we come back again and again
1: and again. It's taking care of the essential activity of the Buddha way. And in this matter of our tendency to drift off, to daydream, to imagine, something else. The next section talks about this.
0: And not only what we would term dreaming, but also
1: the the fleeting
0: aspect of our existence, the things that, that elicit feelings from us and emotional responses which kind of hook us. So after talking about taking care of the essential activity of the Buddha way, he next says, who would take wasteful delight in the spark from a Flintstone?
1: Spark from a Flintstone is very fleeting. Here and gone. who would take delight in that? Make that the essence of your life. So, and, and he says, who would take wasteful delight as opposed to practice? Delight in something that through the Dharma, we understand it's impermanent nature. And yet that becomes kind of the heartbeat of our life. Wasteful, we look that up in the dictionary, it
0: says using or expending something carelessly,
1: extravagantly, or to no purpose. relate this back to this pivotal opportunity of human form that we have. That's why wasteful is a good adjective here to
0: describe the delight we take in the spark from a Flintstone.
1: From the sparks of our life. Kind of like a Fireworks display, ooh, ah, this is nice. But he's not finished, he he wants to go a little bit further. So the next sentence begins with besides. Besides form and substance
0: are like the dew on the grass, the fortunes of life,
1: like a dart of lightning, emptied in an instant, banished in a flash. So besides is pointing to,
0: uh, he has, has more to say on this, an additional
1: explanation beyond just the spark from a Flintstone. Form, of course, is talking about physical, the physical aspect of reality.
0: And substance, I think again, ironic, obviously Buddhists, the whole teaching on Shunyatas, well, there is nothing substantial, but yet we make it so. This is taking delight in the spark from the flintstone. And the dew on the grass and the fortunes of life. But this is this is it for us. This is what we're after
1: So, the substance that isn't really substance, the form. It is no form,
0: as the Heart Sutra puts it. Form and substance are like the dew on the grass. Maybe a little longer lasting than the flint, than the spark from the flintstone. But still, nothing you would base a life on. The dew on the grass and the fortunes
1: of life, like a dart of lightning. whatever those fortunes are because not because there is no substance there's no substance to the fortunes
0: what we perceive as fortunes is part of that web of of interdependence
1: their existence, the way we consider them to be fortune, good fortune.
0: Think of all the things that go into determining that, our societal conditioning, things we might consider to be a fortune. Other cultures might look upon and say, oh my gosh, we're really missing the (laughs) bus. How could you
1: consider that to be of value? Of course, we look at other cultures that way all too often. Very dismissive, because we know. We know what fortunes are. But they're all dependent. There's nothing substantial there. So, when he says form and substance are like the dew on the grass, he's just the saying
0: there, there is no substance. They, they are like substances like the dew on the grass. And the fortunes of life are like a dart of lightning, emptied in an instant, vanished in a
1: flash. Emptied, obviously, echoes shunyata, emptied in an instant. Because it's just the nature of Shunyata. So now we moves on to the uh, the final.
0: What we'll call a paragraph, the final section here, which begins with Dogen's expression of deep concern for us. This is why he uh, he's writing this
1: after his four years in China. What is he bringing back with him? He immediately
0: wanted to share this with the people from his his home country of Japan. So he he begins the next paragraph with the word, please.
1: Signifying deep caring, please. Because I care about this. I care about you. So after please, he addresses them further, honored followers of Zen. Honored. Yeah, He's not. Dressing them as these poor,
0: please, you poor deluded souls. <laughs> he could have taken
1: that approach. <laughs> I'm here to save you. Please honored followers of Zen, of the way. So the aspiration, we talked, I think it was last Saturday about
0: Bodhicitta, the arising of Bodhicitta. The desire for enlightenment, not for self, but for all beings. This is the entry point on on the way. I think it's in this sense that he's, he's addressing them, please, honored followers of Zen. This is what brings you to the
1: path. And it's because you care. You're listening to my teaching that I'm sharing this with you, that I care. And then he uses a couple of powerful metaphors.
0: Honored followers of Zen long accustomed to groping for the elephant, first metaphor. Do not doubt the true dragon,
1: second metaphor. The Groping for the elephant is uh, was an
0: old Indian tale as I understand it, about a group of blind men who are trying to find out what an elephant is using only their sense of touch. So one feeling the trunk says that elephants are shaped like snakes, another feeling the legs says that the elephants are trees. So each blind man clings to his own limited
1: perceptions and thereby jumps to a false conclusion. That's us. Groping for the elephant with our limited views, looking for the ultimate sense of reality This is the elephant and we're looking
0: at all these different parts. So we all naturally come
1: away with different conclusions. It's this, it's that. And we can't understand how people would have a different take on it. So,
0: Honored followers of Zen, long accustomed to groping for the elephant. This is our normal way of of going through our lives. Groping for the elephant. Seeing one aspect of something
1: and that's it. That's it. That's all we need. Kind of like the old uh, name that tune game.
0: I can name that tune and two (laughs) notes. I don't need to hear the whole thing.
1: I just need a little bit and I've got it. So from long accustomed to groping for the elephant,
0: such a rich description of how we come to experience our, our world. Then he says, "Do not doubt the true dragon." Pointing to another beautiful story about, and this one is is from from Japan. Point, uh, and it has to do with with uh, this person who was uh, the biggest fanboy of of dragons. He had everything pertaining to dragons, stories about them and pictures of them, Uh, he just loved dragons. So this dragon hearing about him wanted to come and introduce himself. So all of a sudden this dragon appears sticking his head in the guy's window. And the guy's terrified, Just goes running out screaming, oh my God. (laughs) He was so enthralled with dragons until he met the true dragon. (laughs) Then he decided, (laughs) "This is too much. Do
1: not doubt the true dragon." So, if if we go through life
0: groping for the elephant, seeing Kind of like the, uh, the dragon aficionado here uh, who,
1: who knew everything about dragons in an abstract way, but the true dragon, the real living one, the active dragon, he had never encountered. So this is how we practice. Is with the true dragon, our life, the way things truly are. We can study them, but the study needs to
0: come together with your life experience. I think we all see that about Dharma, hopefully. Whatever you read in terms of Dharma teachings is not to be taken in any other way than how it applies to your life. You have to see the truth of it. It's not learning a catechism so you can uh, have the right beliefs. Buddhism, as we all know, has lists out the wazoo mean, it's not about mastering the lists. It's about taking any of the lists and the value of them is about the true dragon.
1: How does that list apply to the true dragons in your life? The reality of your life. Don't doubt that true dragon, because that's where
0: the, the truth is. That's where the ultimate is is in
1: every true dragon that comes passing through your life. And to punch this home a little bit further, the
0: next sentence says, devote your energies to the way that points
1: directly to the real thing, the true dragon, the real thing. This is where we need to be devoting our energies. Which also harkens back now
0: to if you make one misstep, you stumble past what's directly in front of you. What's directly in front of you is the true dragon, the real thing.
1: That's your reality. So next he says,
0: revere the one who has gone beyond learning
1: and is free from effort. The one who has gone beyond learning. Well, the guy that knew all about dragons. He would have been considered quite the expert. But he had no idea, had never met one to go beyond learning. So if there's wisdom beyond wisdom, actually everything
0: when we are practicing is going beyond. That's why gate gate at the end of the Heart Sutra,
1: beyond, beyond. Gone completely beyond. So to go beyond learning. And is free from effort. Because the effort
0: comes in. I think we can see this in our own lives. The sense of effort is when we're separate from it. Whatever we're doing.
1: We're not the activity. We're we're the substance, the form and substance that's
0: doing an activity. And therefore, it feels effortful. Calls for a lot of effort to do this. But when we're engaged in anything in such a fashion that we're totally engaged, immersive, Experience. We are the activity. There's no sense of effort. There's just the doing.
1: There's no doer. There's the doing. And this is what our practice, moment by moment by moment, allows us
0: to do. Because then we can experience our lives. Is just total engagement, immersion, in
1: shunyata with each and everything that we're engaged in. So we can actually take on quite a bit without
0: feeling just totally wiped out because of all the effort that's involved. The effort doesn't come so much from the activity itself.
1: Rather, it's from the way we relate to the activity. So this becoming one with, becoming one with the activity
0: sets us up for the next sentence. And the opening word says, accord. Accord with the enlightenment of all the Buddhas.
1: To accord is to become one, to be harmonious with, become one with. You're in accord. So when we do that through our practice, this is to accord with the enlightenment of all the Buddhas. And of course, we need to keep relating it back to the practice of Zazen, not to forget that
0: this is his universal recommendation for the practice of Zazen. So this is what he's laying out here. This is what Zazen for Dogen is and why he t- calls it uh, being in accord with the enlightenment of all the Buddhists. This is the Great Awakening.
1: Anyuttara Samyak Sambodhi. Perfect, complete enlightenment is simply this. And being in accord with this. And then the next segment
0: to this sentence says, succeed to the samadhi of all the ancestors. And samadhi is pointing to this merging into its union with. Samadhi is concentration, total focus. And when we're totally focused in an activity, we're in samadhi. Samadhi, we might think is is sitting, you know, samadhi with, with the flame of a candle or something like that. And that's one aspect of it but there's samadhi that's active
1: samadhi. There's samadhi in folding laundry, doing dishes. Succeed
0: to the samadhi of all the ancestors. It's the sense
1: of practicing with each and everything. It's activity. And it's continuous. Dogen's continuous practice,
0: right out of the gate, as soon as he comes back to Japan and and offers this teaching, he says, continue to live in such a way. This isn't to give you the big experience of enlightenment, and now you're okay. You don't need me anymore. Don't need practice anymore, it's accomplished its mission. We continue to live in such a way, continuous
1: practice. And he says, And you will be such a person, you will continue
0: to be such a person. He, he could have uh, expressed it
1: because that's the whole rub because it's active, it's not a
0: thing. Because of shunyata, it has to be continuous.
1: Because shunyata is all about that continuity, the constant change, the interconnectedness, based upon which there is constant change. It's only because of the interdependence of all things that there can be change. And he wants to leave everybody feeling fully, having the full impact of what this practice is with this powerful last
0: sentence the treasure store will open of itself,
1: and you may enjoy it freely. The treasure store will open of itself.
0: This is the second time he's talked about that. If you go back to, if you have a copy of uh, from the uh, from our chant book, go back to the fourth line from the top, uh, the sentence that says, for you must know that the true Dharma appears of itself. The treasure store will open of itself. It's the same thing.
1: The treasure store is the true Dharma. The Dharma treasure
0: will open of itself and actually one of my uh, two buddhist names my original buddhist name from my first teacher is dharma treasure or dharma treasury so this is always kind of at least since my uh,
1: jukai uh, this has spoken very deeply to me but this is true for everything dharma treasure is everywhere and it will open
0: of itself. So we just need to be present with it to be able to to enter into that samadhi,
1: to become one with it, to see that that's, that's our nature. And when we do that, the final phrase, and you may enjoy it
0: freely. Freely, again, pointing to the sense of, of no effort. This is the most natural
1: thing. You may enjoy it freely. You don't have to rest up. <laughs> Nor does it, in our uh, uh, monetary
0: realm nor do you have to uh, write out a check you may enjoy it freely there's
1: no cost because it's always there but get get the money out to get something that's not here I, I need to go
0: get it acquire it you already have it you have it,
1: so enjoy it freely. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> Why wouldn't you? So that's the Fukan Zazengi. So
0: hopefully that's answered all your questions about the practice of and <laughs> 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 And if not, I've had my say, so I'm bowing out.
1: It's your turn. Uh, Dean, I just wanted to be sure that I didn't misunderstand
0: um, your comments on the true dragon. Um, I was looking at that as synonymous with Dharma gates. Is, is there a different spin on it, or, or is it in fact synonymous with Dragon gates?
1: The, uh, uh is is uh, they're they're
0: both good metaphors for it. Uh, I'd say, yeah, in terms of of the fact that. What makes the Dharma gate is that there is the true dragon there. That's why Dharma gates
1: are boundless. And it's it's the real thing. That's the real thing. Is the Dharma gate
0: is is the gate to the reality rather and being able to go beyond our limited views, our perceptions of it. If we can cross over to that other side, then we can actually encounter it. Uh, and, and from the standpoint of, of sandal tide, emerging of difference in unity, we can see all of these uh, things that, that arise for us as being just this, this rich interweaving of the relative, the particular with the universal which shunyata is is ultimately about. So when we later, when we get into the third turning of the wheel, maybe towards the end of the year, uh, and I made reference to this before, there is, uh, because of the strong reliance on negation in in, uh, texts uh, like the Heart Sutra or other texts from the Prajnaparamita tradition they can kind of become across as almost nihilistic so the third turning is kind of bringing us back to the the actual reality of of, the, of these Dharma gates what and and the individuality of them so we're, we're talking about uh, no, differentiation no distinction but yet there is and we're, we'll circle back and include that too but it's really important to be able to see first the emptiness of all things which you know as i've pointed out in past is it's the equivalent of working with the koan mood. is the dog have nature
1: no no Buddha, no Buddha nature. <laughs> and Dogen uh, wrote about that. He
0: has a um, shobogenzo fascicle uh, titled Buddha nature. And one of the characteristics of Buddha nature, as he mapped it out, was no Buddha nature. Yeah. We have to get clear about that. Otherwise, we've just we've created something we can cling to, and attach to. Oh, Buddha nature. That's it, because we're really looking for those things. So the Dharma Gates and the the true dragon is, and and maybe this is uh, where Dharma Gates is an even better uh, image because it's clear, the multiplicity of them. And, And we need to ultimately be in recognition of the multiplicity, as well as the unity. That we don't get caught up in the multiplicity. And actually at this point, I've been meaning to do this because I reference it from time to time, the beginning of Genjo Koa, uh, another early work of Dogen's. It's, It's pretty foundational and and I'll I'll just read it. And this is kind of pointing to our initial delusion, our second turning of the wheel of Dharma, and then uh, through that, the coming back, kind of the third turning. Uh, So he begins, as all things are Buddha Dharma, There is delusion and realization, practice, birth and death, and there are Buddhas and sentient beings. In other words, the world of this and that, the world of differences, the normal world, the way we experience things. There is delusion, realization, birth, death. But now he goes on to say, as the myriad things are without an abiding self, the Heart Sutra, think, think of, there is no delusion, no realization, no Buddha, no sentient being, no birth and death. So we'll just add our second turning of the Dharma wheel. The Buddha way is basically leaping clear of the many and the one. don't get caught up by either. Thus, there are birth and death, delusion and realization sentient beings and Buddhas. So now you see it, now you don't, then you come back to seeing it, but but, uh, when you come back to seeing it, it's from a whole different set of eyes. You see it in its emptiness too, but you also see it in its distinctness.
1: And when you have both of those combined and we're practicing
0: and caring for each thing that arises, now we can really care because we see them as individuals and also as, as one.
1: Both. We've left clear of the many and the one. That's another going beyond. We're always going beyond. Covered a little more than just what you had asked Joe, but <laughs> but it was a rich question, so I figured, you know, let's let's get some mileage out of it. Oh cool. quick question, Dean. In this second, you were um reading off this idea of
0: like yeah, the wasteful delight and the spark from the stem. So there's sort of this that type of delight is kind of small amount relative. And then sometimes I guess there's reference to like the delight that you feel like the hindrances drop off. So is there a difference between like how this delight is referred to here versus like you know, for a while of sitting. This kind of restful or peacefulness. Um, mm-hmm. There seems to be a feeling of delight there. Yeah. Well, there, there's a difference, but yet there's there's uh, in another sense there, there isn't because because even the uh, the delight uh, from the practice, if we attach to it, it becomes a problem. And uh, a good example of that is with uh, concentration, samadhi, practicing with the jhanas. And this is a real uh, kind of sticky wicket with that practice because that's really, uh, uh, because of the nature of samadhi, you can have some really intense, pleasurable states resulting from it. And because of that, then you can become pretty attached to it, and then it becomes uh, very uh, dangerous. So even what we might term, you know, the the positive delights, and that's their their difference is that they are, you know, they are potentially wholesome, and they can help us along the path. But
1: any of these and can also uh, become a problem for us. So, yeah, the light, we just, it's not that we go
0: through life just uh, uh, without the light. I mean, next Saturday, when we come back to the awakening factors, joy is one of the awakening factors. It's very supportive of our practice. And it should be a joyful practice. But anything creating joy, yes, because of that, we attach to it. Oh, I like, <laughs> we need more of this. <laughs> then it becomes uh, the temptress, the tempter. And,
1: uh, and we can just uh, really uh, get buried by it. So is that, yeah. okay. All right there. Right up to the new now. May our intention equally penetrate
0: every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless.
1: I vow to enter them. The Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to be humble. All right. Well, hope everybody enjoys the rest of their weekend.